0: Hey, this is Mohal Joshi from Los Angeles, California. I follow Indian foreign policy and defense with a special focus on Asia. You can follow me on Twitter
1: at Mohal Joshi. Hey, this is Kishore Narayan from Bengaluru in India. I am an international relations expert specializing in global security, conflict resolution, and international negotiation. My focus areas include peace building and digital diplomacy. You can find me on Twitter at Veggie Diplomat.
0: Hello, listeners, and welcome to episode eight of India Rising Strategic Conversations with Mohal and Kishore, a show in which we analyze happenings from around the world and their impact on India. So before we uh, begin with today's episodes, we would like to have an update on earlier episode. Now remember, folks, that we had extensively discussed in episode 5 the impact of the shocking results in the recently concluded presidential elections in the Republic of Maldives. We had then specified that the outgoing President Abdullah Yameen might throw a few tantrums before agreeing to abdicate his position. He managed to do so exactly despite the watchful eyes of all the major powers from around the world, including India. Uh, the US and the European Union. Eventually, he had to relent for a smooth transition. Uh, Ibrahim Mohamed Soli, commonly known as Ibu Soli, was then sworn in as the 7th President of the Republic of Maldives. As expected, uh, Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi visited Male to attend the swearing-in ceremony. Modi was received at the airport by Soli himself and was made to sit between two former presidents, Mohammed Nasheed and Mohammed Abdul Gayum, during the inauguration. And I should also mention, he did also get the customary Modi Jappi or hug. Uh, During the inauguration, Ibu Soli stated that he will regain the lost relationship with the international community with his country's national interest in mind. While claiming that he wants to keep close relations with his neighbors in India, he announced that he would have a special meeting with Modi immediately after the swearing-in ceremony. Later in the day, the two leaders met up and solely personally saw Modi off, uh, at the airport. A joint press statement was issued at the end of the meeting which said that both Indian and Maldives leaders expressed confidence in the renewal of close bonds agreed to be mindful of each other's concerns and aspirations for stability of the region. In addition, steps are being taken to chalk out a date for Ibu Soli's maiden visit to India soon, uh, probably in December, and also for Modi to have an official visit to Maldives thereafter. So, uh, coming back to today's episodes, we will be talking a lot about the bizarre sequence of events that are being witnessed to our neighbor to the south in sri lanka this is which has led to a constitutional crisis in the island nation now while some started opining that this was a power game being played out by the high and mighty the jury is still out in the open and we haven't heard the last just yet on 26th october uh, news came out from sri lanka and the United People's Freedom Alliance, headed by current President uh, Mathripala Sirisena, had withdrawn from the coalition government. Shortly after, more news stumbled out that Mahinda Rajapaksha, the former President of Sri Lanka, had been sworn in as the Prime Minister by President Sirisena. This is where the problem began. Now, Ranil Vikramasinghe, the incumbent Prime Minister, insisted that he was the legitimate Prime Minister of Sri Lanka since he enjoyed the support of the members of Parliament. Amidst all this was a stand taken by the Speaker of the Sri Lankan Parliament who supported uh, Vikramasinghe's claim that he continued to be the PM and evenly openly announced that he wasn't considering Rajapaksha as a newly appointed PM. So we have this uniquely bizarre situation of Sri Lanka having a president's prime ministers and a speaker's prime minister. So Kishore, uh, what was the main trigger for all of this? Where did this all started going downhill between the two former allies, uh, Vikramasinghe and Siri Sena?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, this all started about a couple of months ago. In fact, I remember having tweeted about it back then. Uh, Basically, the point was that uh, news broke out that there was a plot uh, to assassinate uh, President uh, Sirisena and also brother of uh, Mahinda Rajapaksa, uh, who himself was a former Secretary of Defense, uh, Gotabaya Rajapaksa. Uh, This was at that time thought to be an outcome of a tiff between two uh, senior officers in the Sri Lankan police force and uh, Vikramasingha promptly promptly initiated an investigation. Now, what happened was, to everyone's surprise, suddenly there emerged an India angle to this whole plot. India's premier investigative agency, uh, RAW, uh, Research and Analysis Wing, was involved in this plot, apparently. Uh, Sri also kept indirectly hinting in his cabinet meetings that India was involved, amounting to a direct insinuation. In fact, a person of Indian origin was also arrested on the outskirts of Colombo connected to this case. But it later turned out that this person was a Malayali uh, person from Kerala who had walked out of his house in Kerala about a decade ago and was now living in Sri Lanka. In fact, preliminary, preliminary investigation on this person even concluded that this person had no connection to intelligence agencies. He used to wander aimlessly in his adopted hometown in Sri Lanka and was also considered to be a senile person, believe it. So, for all practical purposes, this lead turned out to be a dead end for the investigating officers. Now, once the Indian angle died down, a new cabinet angle emerged. Sureshina's office was quick to deny statements that uh, the Indian uh, investigative agency was involved, uh, but then he instead started making another set of claims telling that a minister in the cabinet himself was involved in this attempt to assassinate the president. He felt, uh, President Sarishina felt, that he was within his right to dismiss the cabinet, including the prime minister, as it related to matters of national security. Remember, uh, Sri Lanka is a country which has had to deal with multiple attempts on life, on uh, uh, life of sitting prime ministers and presidents. Even the then-president, Ranasinghe Premadasa, was assassinated while in power so sri lanka is a country which takes its national security quite seriously however this uh, news of alleged plot to assassinate came as a surprise since the primary target was the president and the alleged conspirators were from his own cabinet but we have to also go back to the indian angle a little more the hindu the english language newspaper here in india Carried out an investigative article which appended the entire investigation, only making it murkier. It reported a discussion that seems to have taken place when the Cabinet of Ministers of Sri Lanka were deliberating on national issues. Apparently, Sri office had off the record claimed that the office of the PM of India, uh, the office itself, was involved in this plot directly. Although the president's office was quick to uh, issue a statement vehemently denying such media reports, the damage had had already been done. It was a serious blow to India-Sri Lanka relations. Looked at it from any angle, this was bad news for the office of the Prime Minister of India. As far as Narendra Modi was concerned, it was a grave matter for him to conduct India's foreign relations with other foreign countries in the region at a time when the president of Sri Lanka was making a serious allegation. According to media reports that a section of the prime minister's office uh, had conspired to assassinate him and a few others. Simply because this has far-reaching implications for the office of the prime minister of India and his credibility in conducting foreign relations with other heads of state in the region. Now, as if this was not enough, senior cabinet minister Mahinda Amaravira Uh, He was reported as saying that Roa had infiltrated into the cabinet and that four ministers were its agents. While none of this ever gained traction, N. Ram, chairman of Kasturi & Huns Limited, which owns the Hindu newspaper and who has also been its former editor, claimed that the newspaper stands by the report it had published. Now, while Sri Lanka itself is going through all this turmoil, unwillingly a lot of damage has also been impacted on the bilateral indo-sri lankan ties and the sri lankan government will have to walk that extra mile to repair the damage before things get any more uglier
0: yeah up till now i think we had heard of uh, anything in pakistan going wrong being blamed on raw i believe this is the first time somebody in sri lanka has blamed raw i think raw has been the consistent whipping boy of our neighbors when anything in their country goes wrong or sinister plot is supposedly hatched, looks like that, yeah. So at this stage, uh, the world powers uh, have reacted with caution. While the US and India were uh, muted in the response early on, eventually both of them indicated that they were getting worried about the turn of events in Colombo and suggested a return to the status quo to restore uh, stability in the island nation.
1: Yeah, that's right. So what happened was, at this stage, there was uh, violence witnessed on the streets of Colombo. And in fact, there was one incident of one incident of violence where uh, former cricketer Arjuna Ranatunga's bodyguards fired on pro-Rajapaksa supporters who did not allow Ranatunga from entering uh, the ministerial office. Uh, while the world powers were cautious and measured in their words, China was actually quick to seize the opportunity. The Chinese ambassador to Sri Lanka uh, met Rajapakha and congratulated him on behalf of uh, the Chinese President uh, Xi Jinping. Now this clearly ruffled feathers all around. It was by then clear who would stand to benefit if uh, Rajapakha gained uh, power. Okay. So getting back to the actual event, sorry, this one point
0: like, uh, so this is uh, luckily the violence has been restricted to the parliament itself and hasn't gone outside parliament, which is uh, a good news, but also a matter of concern that this could easily deescalate outside parliament.
1: Right. So that actually is a good segue to what we are about to discuss now. So uh, coming back to whatever has happened in Colombo thereafter, uh, Mohal, can you uh, kind of quickly bring us up to speed about the steps taken by uh, President Sirisha?
0: Yeah, so uh, speaker Karu Jaisuria convened an emergency session of parliament uh starting from november 5th and at the request of the so-called incumbent PM Ranil Vikramasinghe uh i say so-called because you never know who's the prime minister in sri lanka nowadays uh speakers uh uh suspended the 225 i mean uh, sisena had suspended the 225 member parliament until november 16th so the parliament was reconvened, I mean, the, the whole goal of suspending the parliament was from the Speaker propping up Vikrama Singhye and having a vote of confidence or no confidence, whichever angle you look at it from. Eventually the 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 Supreme Court had to intervene and all rival parties agreed to a floor test to be conducted uh, not for Vikrama Singhye, but for uh, the new Prime Minister, Paksha. So technically this was a no confidence motion against uh, Paksha. By the United National Party or UNP led by Vikramasinghe. So, as things stand today, Rajapaksha was defeated not once but twice on the floor of the House amid scenes of pandemonium witnessed in the Parliament. The Speaker had been attacked multiple times, many members of the Parliament had been injured. Bizarrely enough, uh, I mean, sorry i laughing, but like chili powder, waste paper bins have been thrown around around freely inside the aisles of the parliament during the proceedings. Kishore, I think this reminds me of uh, the pal- the assembly sessions during the 90s, when I think uh, everything used to be a missile to be launched at the opposition benches. I remember uh, bizarrely a uh, U.P. Uttar Pradesh uh, oh, session when I think mics were freely flung like frisbees at the opposition yeah. benches, you know. I remember that,
1: yes, yes.
0: So, uh, coming to the political realignments which are happening thick and fast, uh, Kishore, you want to discuss those?
1: Oh yeah, so uh, we'll have to bring the uh, listeners up to speed on uh, how uh, the Sri Lankan politics is. So, uh, technically, we should note that uh, the United (coughs) National Party, UNP, led by Ranil Vikramasinghe, that's one party, and then the Sri Lanka Freedom Party, SLFP, led by Maitripala Shri Saina. These two have been the two pillars of uh, Sri Lankan politics, uh, pretty much ever since Sri Lanka became independent. And it is needless to say that they have had bitter rival- rivalries all along. So while you have had uh, SWRD Bandar Naike, uh, Shremao Bandar then Chandrika Kumar Tunga, the daughter and then Mahinda Rajapakha, all of them belonging to the left-wing, Sinala Nationalist, SLFP. On the other hand, you have had uh, people like uh, J.R. Jai- then Rana Premadasa, then Ranil Vikram Singhye, all of them belonging to the center-right market-oriented party bent on economic liberalization. So these are the two uh, primary parties in Sri Lanka. Now. Uh, it was a marriage of con- convenience, actually, between uh, Shri Sena and vikram Senge to come together to form a government after the parliamentary elections in 2015 uh, in a joint bid to defeat Mahinda Rajapakse, who had by then become more powerful than the party he owed allegiance to. So technically, you have people from the SLFP, uh, Shri Sena, who himself was a minister under Rajapakse,
0: coming mm-hmm. out.
1: Taking support from Vikramasinghe and then becoming the president. And then uh, later in the year, they had the parliamentary elections, wherein uh, by that time Sri Sena had uh, gained back complete control of the party that he belonged to. So these two parties then formed a unity government, uh, which then uh, has been ruling the country. Mahagatbandan. Mahagatbandan. In fact, it was a Mahagatbandan, not just a Gatbandan simply because Mm -hmm. the Sri Lankan Muslim Party, the SNMP, and the TNA, the Tamil Nationalist Alliance, all of them were part of the Gatbandan. Therefore, you are right in calling it Maha Gatbandan. So yeah, so the chief agenda of the unity government was to bring an end to the corruption, investigate the top leadership in the Rajapaksa regime, including his brother and son, and also to conduct a free and fair investigation into the alleged human rights violations during the last tamil Elam war that lasted until 2009 when they were completely wiped out. Now, uh, yeah, as I told you, Sarasana himself was a health minister under Rajapaksa and had stepped out to challenge, uh, challenge him with the support of uh, UNP. Now post defeat, uh, Rajapaksa stayed away from the limelight for a couple of years, whereas his supporters, they floated a new party called Sri Lanka Podujana Paramuna, which loosely translates to Sri Lankan People's Party or Sri Lankan People's Front and uh, uh, abbreviated to SLPP. Now, this new party had trumped uh, the UNP SLFP combined in the local body elections in early 2018. So, earlier this year, uh, the new party of uh, Rajapaksa's uh, supporters had become so strong that it had defeated the uh, the unity government uh, parties. Now, this uh, uh, led to severe un- infighting within the unity government with uh, Sarishana, the president, accusing the prime minister Vikram Hsenge of going slow on corruption cases and also uh, inquiry into human rights violation. So in this was that April, the
0: alarm bells would have been ringing in Sarishana's ha- head when he lost badly in the elections, and that's where probably some of the discord started from.
1: Oh yes, yes. I remember having tweeted uh, back then. Uh, I think it was early in uh, March when uh, the two had started fighting. And I had uh, pointed out that uh, uh, things were not so rosy between the two parties. And I remember a Sri Lankan having trolled me badly that day. But <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> trolls are part of our life the. days. Anyway, so, yeah, coming back to what we were discussing. So, in fact, in April, Vikram Hsenge actually survived a no confidence motion, uh, ch- which was mounted by Rajapaksha, uh, who had who had by then sensed that the government was shaky. Now, uh, Vikram Hsenge survived to uh, uh, to fight another day, but uh, cut back to the present. And now Mahindra Rajapaksha has now joined the party that was started by his followers. So, Rajapaksa is no more uh, a part of the SLFP, uh, through which he had become the uh, president of the country. He now belongs to SLPP. And there have been many reports of the SLFP MPs switching sides and joining uh, Rajapaksa's new party. Now, this has badly dented the image of the uh, uh, Sri party, the SLFP and he actually currently, if you look at it, is currently leaderless Sarishina being a political person, having been the president Sarishina, through his actions, he has not impressed anyone and is highly unpopular at the moment therefore, as much as this is a moment of crisis for Sri Lanka itself this is a crisis for the party also and in fact, surprise surprise, we have seen Chandrika Kumar Tunga also come out of hibernation and uh, has started Your issuing ex, statements.
0: Ex-President of
1: Sri Lanka, I guess in the 90s, right? Late 90s. In the 90s, yes. And uh, also uh, belonging to the SLFP party. Now she has mm-hmm. come out of hibernation and has started issuing statements expressing concern about the happenings in the nation and also about the manner in which her party MPs are switching sides in an opportune manner. As if all this confusion was not enough, there have been accusations of horse trading floating around, <laughs> with allegations of phone calls being made to uh, Vikramasinghe's Singh, MP, to, to cross over. So uh, it has been uh, Bihar all. Uh, yeah, I allegations some, being thrown in yeah, all directions.
0: Yeah, I heard some reports that uh, MPs were offered like around like 300 or oh, sorry, 500 million Sri Lankan rupees. Which equates to like three hundred thousand or three lakh dollars to switch their votes, which is like no small amount
1: of money. You know, any way you dice it. <laughs> Correct. I, in fact I was listening to an interview by Ranil Wickremasinghe, who mm-hmm. himself was claiming that uh, his MPs were being offered anywhere between hundred million Sri Lankan rupees to two fifty uh, million Sri Lankan rupees. Which is like more than, uh, more than one to two uh, million US dollars. So, yeah, now, uh, with all this political un- uncertainty, it is not clear who enjoys a majority in the parliament. Vikram Singh feels that he should get the opportunity to prove his majority in the house, especially after Rajapaksa was defeated twice in the, in the past one week. <coughs> uh, in fact, as we have been recording, news has come out that all three major leaders, uh, Rajapaksa, Vikramasinghe and Sri Siena have met each other face to face for the first time ever since the crisis broke out. And uh, President Sri has been adamant in telling that he will not accept the results of the no-confidence motion that was passed uh, twice and that he wants uh, a no-confidence motion with, uh, ha- with the MPs uh, putting pen on paper. So. A voice vote is something that he would not want to uh, accept blindly so that is where we are now looking looking into the future politically too uh, it is actually a very very tight rope walk for uh, Ranil vikramasinghe so uh, Mohal you want to uh, explain what uh, Vikrameshenge's path here onwards yeah. So
0: while uh, sirisena won with the support fr- from Muslims and Tamils and the disgruntled section of Sinhala Buddhists, uh, this moment was this momentum. I mean, he won like I believe in 2015, early 2015, in the presidential elections. This momentum was carried on into the parliamentary elections later that year, by which time sirisena had complete o- uh, control over the SLFP now politically rajapaksha seems to have weakened back then uh being the the uh, the sinhala vote back in his favor now this makes any upcoming elections where whenever it be held because there's a huge question mark of whether the elections will be held in january or will they be held as scheduled in 2020 this will make any uh, upcoming election stuff for anil vikramasinghe the fact that the national debt has only increased and Vikramasinghe won't uh, help him get any brownie points of a person being wronged by Sirisena. Even in the short term, uh, let's say Vikramasinghe and Sirisena patch up to have any workable administration which I have high doubts on because the relationship might have been strained beyond repair, uh, they might be pulling each other down. Uh, just to get the upper hand till the elections as the elections come closer in 2020. So like there could be a situation where let's say even uh, uh, on the other hand, let's say even if Sirisena and uh, Rajapaksha are propping each other up, in the long run, like Rajapaksha could be the winner in my opinion because uh, Sirisena with his weak political hand might be trying to woo Rajapaksha back to his fold but I mean, as we have seen earlier reports that due to the constitutional term limits, Rajapaksha cannot be president again. So he might just be uh, using Sirisena for the time being to get back into the uh, into politics and propping up his brother, uh, Gotabaya, who was the defense minister for a, maybe a presidential run in 2020. And then Sirisena might be discarded uh, in the long run. So in the short term, it could be a win for Sirisena, but in the long term, on a dangerous path where the strongman Paksha could make a comeback, uh, climbing on top with the help of Sena.
1: Fascinating. Okay, so let's switch gears and uh, we'll talk about how uh, the whole issue has been uh, looked at as a power tussle between China and India. Mohal, you want to explain that to our listener?
0: Yeah, so the domestic economy today is facing several uh, challenges, including sluggish growth, variable foreign investment flows, uh, the high external debt, and pressures on the Sri Lankan rupee. So a prolonged political crisis could deter any further foreign investment, raise the sovereign uh, borrowing cost, impact debt servicing capacity, and negatively impact growth. Any political instability, which says, let's say, there's violence on the streets, is going to deter tourists, which is a major source of income for Sri Lanka and could uh, impact their forex position, also, I believe. Now, Vikramasinghe has moved away from Rajapaksha's reliance on Chinese capital to service Sri Lankan debt and tried to better find a balance between engaging with China and India as the two dominant powers in the region. However, given the pressures on the Sri Lankan economy, it is unclear whether the return of Raja Paksha will also mean a return to the former cozy relationship with China. Now, Beijing for its part has been insistent in its observing the ongoing situation and reiterating that it sees the turmoil as an internal issue of Sri Lanka. But it is quite telling that the Chinese ambassador has already met Raja Paksha and Vikramasinghe referring to the former as the new Prime Minister. India on the other hand, is already wary of Chinese influence returning to Sri Lanka. Reportedly, Rajapaksha sent out feelers to Indian officials over the past few days, but it is likely that they will continue to play their cards close to their chest. However, should Rajapaksha prevail in the end, it will take more than a few meetings to get the Indian officials on his side. New Delhi will remain concerned about his former close links to China cultivated during his term in office. However, events unfolding in the coming new weeks, one thing is for sure, Rajapaksha's premiership is plunging the country back into economic and potential violence. Sri Lanka is one of La- South Asia's oldest democracies and never before has it so blatantly disrespected its constitutional norms.
1: Yeah, in fact, uh, uh, Rajapaksa, uh, hardly hardly 15 days before all this began, was actually in India and he had uh, meetings with uh, Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi also. So uh, at least uh, the Indians would have uh, been aware of uh, such moves being made uh, in the larger uh, chess game. But
0: uh, yeah, yeah. Even uh, in the interview back then, uh, he gave to I believe uh, uh, Nitin Gokhale of Strategic News International. I mean, Rajapaksha was making the right noises as related to India. I think he personally feels, in my opinion, that he did a huge uh, drift towards China in the last term, and is probably trying to compensate to a more balanced relationship between India and China in the future. Should he return to power? Is this
1: the sense that I got from it? We have have heard this kind of uh, uh, course correction earlier from Nepal too, when Prachanda started making these kind of statements. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So uh, Mohal, uh, what can be India's uh, choice of action here onwards? So now India is in a real uh,
0: pickle or dilemma here in Sri Lanka. India on one hand cannot be seeing favoring towards either of them, especially while it's unclear that who the people want to vote for in the next elections, wherever it be in the future. Now, India has learned some bitter lessons from the 2015 Nepal experience. So during that time, to force the hands of the politicians in Kathmandu to give proper representation to the Madhesis living close to the border with India, India forced upon Nepal in a highly unpopular blockade. Now this backfired spectacularly as the, the pro-China Communist Party is whipped up a uh, huge anti-India sentiment in the next elections to come back to to win uh, power. Now India has to engage in channel diplomacy because it cannot remain a uh, silent spectator in all this uh, sort of tamasha ongoing in the parliament. They have to engage in channel diplomacy without taking an overt position officially. On the matter, this is something similar to uh, what they did in the Maldives, where they uh, engaged them in backchannel uh, discussions with the opposition leaders, mm-hmm. without trying to threaten or like a mil- the military invasion or uh, put out like very harsh statements on Maldives. Because what happens is when you do threaten military action or put out it sorts of uh, galvanizes the anti-India vote in the, these countries and it backfires because in the long run it installs a regime which is uh, opposed to Indian interests and gives a leg up to the Chinese interests in this region. So coming back to the China angle, like uh, Rajapaksha, like initially he did offer like, many projects to India back in his term. Uh, like maybe like a decade ago, but many of the projects were totally economically unviable. So then he went to uh, China. So many people felt that okay, it that he's a pro-China guy, but then many people feel that it was just because of the reluctance of India to engage in many of the projects, he went to China. So we have to uh, keep in mind that when India doesn't uh, participate a lot in the uh, nation building exercises in the in the our neighbors there is a tendency of these uh, leaders to try to get the best deal from china so this is something like india has to continuously remain engaged in all of our neighbors to ensure that china doesn't gain a strategic foothold in these nations uh, through political processes
1: yeah in fact uh, uh, the point that you were mentioning about uh... India trying to play it safe in Maldives and kind of do something similar in Sri Lanka. At least in Maldives, India knew that people were against the uh, the presidency of uh, the outgoing president. But here in Sri Lanka, it's anybody's guess and it's highly unclear as to who people will vote whenever elections are going to be held next. So India definitely cannot take a chance and uh, be seen as somebody who is trying to Impose their choice on the mm-hmm. on the people of Sri Lanka. So I think yeah, it has yeah, I to think, be a tight of since independence, uh, many
0: times India has intervened uh, in neighboring countries, and it has just uh, sort of uh, cultivated the big brother syndrome. That like you know, India is dictating terms to us, and they don't know what's good for us. So it just creates this uh, underlying position. So what India needs to do, like not just Sri Lanka, but everywhere is you need to take a good view of what's the you need to draw red lines for the neighbors that hey these are our red lines don't cross them we won't interfere in in your matters but you need to be cognizant of our red lines and we will help you grow simultaneously because if you intervene too hard it just makes the nation drift away from Indian sphere of influence unfortunately and this has been a, a, across exactly. governments, this has been seen uh, from the first government in
1: '47 to today, a common exactly. recurring and trend. What, yeah. And that is exactly what happened in Nepal also. So every time uh, an Indian prime minister goes to Nepal, he kind of uh, has to uh, emphasize that India respects the Nepali sovereignty and then mm-hmm. uh, make mm-hmm. any other statement. So this will always be. The kind of very first statement that an Indian prime minister makes mm-hmm. whenever he and this
0: is Nepal. what, like, we call soft power. Like, it's it is sort of walking like a tightrope where you draw your red lines and also don't want to interfere too much, uh, in the neighbors. But, like, this is what soft power, unlike like the Chinese hard power where they try to dictate terms to others, this is where soft power has longer benefits in the law, lo- uh, has more benefits in the long run where you keep a uh, nation happy while they do not cross your red lines, you know. Right. So, okay, so Kishore, like uh, that brings us to the close of uh, the discussion on Sri Lanka. What are your recommendations for this week?
1: Okay, so uh, while researching for uh, today's episode, uh, I came up uh, uh, with this fantastic article in uh, Hindustan Times by Constantino Xavier uh, where he said uh, that New Delhi cannot hope to do a Mali cannot to cannot hope to do a Malay in Colombo wherein he said that uh, India just waited out for uh, the elections to come in uh, Maldives but out there in Colombo out there in Sri Lanka India will have to be uh, prepare to do business with anybody who uh, comes to power uh, after the no confidence motion or the confidence motion. Uh, so irrespective of uh, whether New Delhi likes that individual or not, it has to be ready to do business with uh, that person. So that's a, a fantastic article and uh, mm-hmm. yeah. the yeah. nurse can uh, read that. And uh, Mohal, what is your recommendation for the week? So, my recommendation is
0: a fantastic discussion on uh, the Sri Lankan turmoil uh, on Rajya Sabha TV uh, on the Big Picture program hosted mm-hmm. by Frank Raujan Pereira. Oh, okay. Okay.
1: So, both of us have a Sri Lankan recommendation this week yeah of course it has to be
0: <laughs> so uh that dear listeners wraps up today's uh, episode on the constitutional crisis on sri lanka and its impact on india so to continue hearing about such interesting topics please do subscribe to our channel india rising and also tap on the bell icon to be notified whenever a new episode becomes available uh, we would like to hear from you if you have any suggestions or any topics that we would like us to cover in the future Do remember that these topics should be directly related to Indian foreign policy and its impact on India. Until the next episode, this is Mohal and Kishore signing off.